0: Welcome to Sleepover Cinema where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who can innately sense what American Girl doll you had. I'm Hannah Leach and I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo also
1: known as Two Pink Productions and we haven't st- <laughs> and we haven't stopped
0: thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsense goal of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are?
1: Today we are talking about 2004's Samantha, an American Girl Holiday.
0: One of your favorite American Girl dolls has come to life. Let's make a wish. Samantha, an American Girl Holiday. A classic story about the value of friendship. Friends forever. Now you can buy the DVD with a keepsake locket for the holidays. Hannah,
1: how is your holiday season going so
0: far? It's pretty good snowy cold that's festive it's snowy before Christmas which means it's acceptable it hasn't hit the January like sad sad snow also as a side statement we hope that you guys appreciated the Yara episode last week we love her so much she's like the coolest gal we know so it's always exciting to have her join us me and Yara met in person crazy (laughs) The amount of like relevant shit that I'm starting to actually miss from living in Ohio is getting (laughs) dire. So I need to reconsider that. The extent to which I will probably move at the end of the year and the total lack of where it's going to be is simultaneously (laughs) thrilling and terrifying. It could be basically anywhere. So that's calming. Why don't we just get right into the question for the culture this week...
1: The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period.
0: The question for the culture this week, it's kind of going off of the little intro, but what American Girl doll did you have and why? That is my question. And I was also thinking, so... Those of you who follow me on my personal Instagram, like a year and change ago, I did this survey of all my followers about what doll or dolls they had. And then I did like empirical research or empirical data presentation. I was thinking it could be fun (laughs) to do it with sleepover people too. And I can help be the data wrangler. For those of you out there that are hearing this question, go to our Instagram and let us know what doll you had. Audrey, I thought it would be fun for us to... Talk about what dolls we had and how we chose them.
1: I had Kaya and the dog Tatlow, and I will not forget (laughs) about Tatlow, but she was the Native American American girl doll, aka the O G. Yeah. American girl doll. And what's funny about that is like I didn't understand the true cultural and historical context of indigenous people in America at all in that time. So all I knew was like something, something about the Trail of Tears and like something about (laughs) not the Trail of
0: Tears, but yeah,
1: being forced West. It is kind of wild that
0: they sell that doll under this umbrella, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they actually like got some heat for that. Yeah, because that
1: was really bold, but I think I wanted her just cause she like looked the coolest. I was like, hold on, <laughs> like she did. What kind of dolls do you have? American Girl dolls. Yeah. Her
0: name's Josephine. and her name's Kayla. And Kayla? Kayla. She also was the newest doll. When we got dolls. So she was kind of like the hot new thing. Okay, so I'm double checking right now. And this is interesting. So I had Josefina, who lived in New Mexico. I thought she was so pretty. She had beautiful, shiny black hair and earrings. She was the only one that came with earrings, like in her ears at the time. She had a goat. She had a goat. I don't remember the name of the goat, but her, <laughs> she had like a cute little flower in her hair. Like she just had it all. I just double checked the controversy and this is what I am seeing. So they use Kaya's full first name. Here it's Kaya ton my, clearly I'm butchering that. Both of the dolls were set pre-colonization and they were criticized for avoiding the topic of genocide through these pre-Western contact settings. Like they very much like gloss over a lot of the worst stuff, which is really interesting because they talk about industrial revolution shit in Samantha. They talk about slavery and Addie's stuff like... They do get into it pretty often, so it's interesting that that didn't happen in this situation. There's a lot more about this online, so look it up and do your own research if you're interested. Anyway, let us know what doll you had. I love knowing what dolls people had. I think it's super interesting. Shall we get into the facts? Yes. Samantha, colon, An American Girl Holiday premiered on November 23rd, 2004 on the WB. It was definitely rated like TVG. I couldn't find the rating written out, but like there's nothing troublesome with it. It was directed by Nadia Toss, who is best known for her work on Amy, Malcolm, Matching Jack, and Oleg, the Oleg Vidov story. And she also did a bunch of movies Adaptations for other American Girl properties, including Leia, who I don't know who that is, but probably past my time, and Felicity. I know that bitch. You do? Felicity? Yeah. That bitch. You're not talking about Nadia. You're talking no. about Felicity. You know who plays Felicity in her movie? Shailene Woodley.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's some <laughs> Which good is casting. So funny. There's so, like in a more recent one, Olivia Rodrigo was. Oh, the girl, the that's gal. cute.
0: That's yeah, I cute. forget which one it was, but yeah. There are two writing credits for this movie. The story credit went to Valerie Tripp, and she's an interesting character. She wrote all of the books in the Felicity, Josefina, Kit, Molly, and Mary Ellen series, as well as three of the books in the Samantha series. She also wrote four of the five best friend character stories. She also wrote film dramatizations of the lives of Samantha, Felicity, Molly, and Mary Ellen and Kit, or at least those movies were based on the stories she wrote for the books that came with the dolls. And then, secondly, very interestingly, the teleplay was written by Marsha Norman. And when I saw that on the screen, I was like, the Marsha Norman? And it turns out it is the Marsha Norman, who is a very famous playwright, who clearly... Has done some random TV work for the money, which kind of reminds me of like Jack White writing the Emoji Movie, like that kind of vibe. But she's won the Pulitzer Prize. She's won Tony's. Wait, hold on. Jack White? I'm pretty sure Jack White wrote the Emoji uh, Movie. Are you talking about like, I don't know if that's true. No, Mike White. Mike White, not Jack White. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) hold on <laughs> I was like wait, I what <laughs> that's just how hard I associate Jack Black and Mike White in my brain going into these synopses Audrey would you care to read the IMDB synopsis yes okay
1: Kind-hearted Samantha Parkington's world starts to change the day Nellie O'Malley walks into her life. (laughs) Nellie, her father, and her two little sisters have moved in next door to be servants for the Ryland family. Though they come from completely different backgrounds, Samantha and Nellie become fast friends. The girls turn to each other in happiness and sorrow, adventure and danger, and grow to be as close as even two sisters. Could be <gasps> foreshadowing. That's but nothing could
0: prepare them for the life-altering surprises that lie ahead. As for the letterbox synopsis, it was very much the same. Just there was a little bit cut off at the end. And then the Rotten Tomatoes one, ignoring the social code of 1904, a wealthy child befriends three sisters whose family members work as servants next door. The three sisters work as servants. It's not their family members. I have bad news about the taglines. There are no (laughs) taglines. There's no taglines. And I looked at all the posters and I got nothing. So that's unfortunate for us. Getting into this cast. Audrey, will you give us a tour of this cast? My
1: queen, Anna-Sophia (laughs) Robb, plays (laughs) Samantha Parkington. She's best known for Bridge to Terabithia, The Way Way Back. I actually... Like that movie. Soul Surfer, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, The Carrie Diaries, Because of Win Dixie. Just like an amazing filmography. <laughs> I do not remember her being in Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah. I watched that show. She plays young Reese Bunderspoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, it was a minor part. And, of course, we have to just mention her hit single. <laughs> You've got to keep your mind wide open to all the <laughs> possibilities. you got to keep your mind wide open
0: all the possibilities. And... Uh, I re-listened to that song today while I was doing the notes and it is like shockingly bad. Like the song is good no, but the performance you, is bad. You have to take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can, but something else to add to this is that I have this super clear memory of Audrey as a kid. Audrey was like a really silly child. They're like, especially there was a particular window in my mind where you were really silly, which was like really up through like seventh grade, probably. Um, And I remember you would sing this song and the lyrics go, you've got to keep your mind wide open believe in what you see like at the end of the chorus and you would sing it as you've got to keep your mouth wide open, believe in what you drink. (laughs) It was very much like in a similar vein to when you did the illustration of the people eating alcoholic lollipops. Yeah.
1: I did a lot of like (laughs) describing and drawing things that I didn't
0: actually know what they were or what they meant. (laughs) There's There's this really funny picture picture i think it's like a family of bears or something and they like eat the alcoholic lollipops and then there's a picture of it like laying on its back with the speech (laughs) bubble saying i (laughs) am drunk
1: on a slide i don't know oddly enough mia farrow (laughs) plays grand mary and she is best known for rosemary's baby The Purple Rose of Cairo, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Hannah and Her Sisters. And she's also well-known, the most well-known, potentially, for being Woody Allen's muse and all of the freaking drama between them. She also dated Frank Sinatra. fun fact. The relationship between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow ended in 1992 when Allen's intimate relationship with Soon-Yi Previn, Mia Farrow's adopted daughter who was only 21 years old at the time, was publicized and they are still together to this day. It's hugely a hugely messy family. Yeah. And it is an interesting situation to look into if you have some time to
0: kill. Yeah. But it's also scary. I like started to go down the rabbit hole and then I was like, no, 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 I don't have time for this right now. But it seems very contentious. He, I mean, Woody Allen is very much generally dismissed from relevancy at this point. But yeah. he is.
1: OK, next, Jordan Bridges as Uncle Guard. He is known for Drive Me Crazy, Dawson's Creek, Mona Lisa Smile and Frequency and Rizzoli and Isles.
0: <laughs> he was on he was like a series regular on Rizzoli and Isles.
1: Honestly, I probably should save this for the second half. Never mind.
0: (laughs) I think I might know what you're going to say.
1: Is it, like, say, like, the most simplified version. Uh, Rooster? Oh, no, I wasn't going to say that. What were you going to say? Gavin Creel in Eloise. Yeah, we weren't far off.
0: We weren't far off. He's, like, the good guy version of Rooster. That's who he reminds me of.
1: To me, he's giving
0: Gavin Creel and Eloise, like, very much the same. I totally agree. TV movies with... Nice cute men in them. Next,
1: Rebecca Mater as Aunt Cornelia. She is known for playing Jocelyn in The Devil Wears Prada. She's the one who hands Meryl the cerulean belts. <laughs> yeah, that is the most specific <laughs> role. Um, she's also known for Iron Man 3 and being in Once Upon a Time and Lost. It's funny because yeah. I definitely did recognize her, but I could never have named where she was from.
0: Oh, yeah, I actually I thought she looked a lot like Alice's mom in the Tina majorino Alice in Wonderland, but like the timeline doesn't check out fully.
1: Okay, next is Kelsey Lewis as Miss Nellie O'Malley. <laughs> um, <laughs> she is known for a grandpa for Christmas. The inside. Cold Case and this movie. She doesn't have many credits, and you can kind of tell why if you watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, that's actually that's actually one of my notes. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, Miss Nelly
0: is struggling <laughs> to keep up like, with the prestige of Anna yeah. Sophia Rob. I totally agree, and we'll talk more about it in the second half.
1: The budget was two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand American dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and there is no opening weekend because it premiered on television and worldwide gross, we will never know.
0: Okay, so now going into critic and audience opinions, there was no critic score. There's only one review from a critic on Rotten Tomatoes, but the Letterboxd average score was 3.3 stars. Critic opinions. This is the single critic opinion from Rotten Tomatoes. The target audience is so alarmingly narrow that I don't see it appealing to anyone outside of the girls that buy the dolls.
1: Well, duh. That's millions of people. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, how narrow could that possibly be? And their parents who are going to buy Yeah, it. like, are you dumb? What's going on? Yeah. Um, okay. And then... I just popped over to Common Sense Media to see if there was anything interesting going on. And overall, it was given four stars by Common Sense Media. And there were two reviews that I thought were worth reading. So one parent gave the movie a three-star rating. And they said this writing review for my 7 year old daughter there is a scene where a boy gets hurt in the factory and there was a little bit of blood my daughter must be very sensitive because she ran into the other room crying because she was so sad that the boy got hurt not mentioned in any of the reviews very difficult to explain child labor to her she's too young and barely understands what work is in the first place I think she's too young to handle the realities of the suffering of the less fortunate I think 7 is too young for this movie she has a lifetime ahead of her to shoulder the burdens and the evils of this world and then second review five stars loved this as a family movie so much i think we will make a tradition it's real life but not depressing has comical relief and story speaks hope samantha is a great example of how to face hardship be a true friend and help others the ending is perfect (laughs) they're so right (laughs) they're both so right
1: The audience score was 79% and we've got several audience opinions here. Somebody gave it five stars and said, I watch this every day. I love it so much. Three stars. The writers should have stuck to one story instead of cramming all the books into one movie. Rob was disappointing compared to her performances in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Bridge to Terabithia. But it's still a cute children's
0: movie. She's in the the Anna Sophia Rob verse with this criticism.
1: Okay, five stars. Her
0: uncle is hot. He's really smooth, though. His face is, like, extremely smoothed. Is that bad? It looks like he has a blur filter on him sometimes
1: four stars this movie radicalized me as a child and traumatized me with the factory scene like when Nellie said ma'am they do a lot of things they're not supposed to do that changed my world view honestly Samantha giving
0: that speech at the end that's a class ally right there <laughs> I really liked that review because it wasn't just like Karl Marx, who just like yeah. stupid ass online things to say. Like, it still is fairly online, but like it feels genuine to me, which I appreciate. Yeah. It. Is this from
1: Letterboxd? Yes. It's scary to me that someone who has a Letterboxd app could have their worldview changed from this movie well as a little kid though oh oh I guess they're saying yeah as a kid yeah (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) two stars why is this movie so gay yet so
0: bad Uh oh (laughs) we're back in that territory (laughs) the thing is like I don't disagree but it's also children so I don't feel inclined to do that
1: yeah like Everybody needs a hard reset, okay? Everybody (laughs) needs to like be forced quit and then restarted because we're at the point where we watch anything where two people of the same gender talk to each other. And it's like, that doesn't mean anything, especially in this case, because they're like eight. (laughs) They're so little. Yeah, it's true. Five stars. I want to mainline this movie straight into my veins.
0: (laughs) That one just made me laugh. Cultural context. So I have just like a little bit of like the baseline, like lore of Samantha that I wanted to share, and then some stuff about American Girl as a phenomenon. Samantha is an only child growing up during the Edwardian period, although American Girl designates her as Victorian. The movie is set in 1904, so keep that in mind. She was orphaned at age five and raised by her wealthy Victorian-era grandmother, Mary Edwards, whom she called Grand Mary, in fictional Mount Bedford, New York. The themes of Samantha's books include women's suffrage, child labor, and classism. It's 1904. The bright, beguiling Samantha Parkington is as full of energy and ideas as the brand new 20th century. She's thrilled by America's newfangled inventions. And she especially loves the black automobile that her uncle guard drives instead of a horse-drawn carriage. She was also one of the original dolls released. Like, I think she was in the first six historical dolls, which are, like, very revered in the culture, if you will. And then American Girl introduced the concept of archiving in October 2008, which is very adjacent to like going into the Disney vault. <laughs> they announced that they were going to stop making Samantha and her collection, including Nellie, her best friend. And then she was later reintroduced in August 2014 as part of the Be Forever reboot, because even then, even with toys, we're in reboot season. Look at Pratt's, for example. The Collector Line reboot. Also the Switch game that pissed everyone off. 18-inch dolls... Today, they're all 18-inch dolls, but the price of an American Girl doll baseline is $98, and when the dolls first dropped in 1986, they cost 68 so they've been like inflating over time. I looked at their website today, and a bunk bed set for one of their newer dolls, a historical doll who is like based in the 80s, costs which is why we would always get the Target off-brand version of American Girl accessories. But just one more thing. So just side note, in 2007, the brand's girl of the year was a special edition doll named Gwen who was homeless and she cost $98. So you're buying a $100 homeless doll girl doll.
1: It's hard to like <laughs> deal with the reality of this line of dolls sometimes. Yes. Because like it feels so conflicting. Like they have pretty good intentions. Yeah. In terms of like education, history and like play. Yeah. Like are those three things going together. That's like cool. But it costs so much. It's
0: very cost prohibitive for sure. When did we first watch this movie? What do we remember about it? And then also just like American Girl associated memories. Well,
1: I had never seen this one. I don't think I had either. It's kind of weird. I guess just because we didn't own them. Like, I definitely would have been into these movies for sure had we had them,
0: yeah. but we didn't. Yeah. I think the only one... Isn't there a Kit, Kitridge one? There's a Kit one. There's a Felicity one. I think there might be a Molly one. And then there's some more modern day ones. Yeah, I saw the Kit one. I remember that. I was bringing
1: my American Girl doll over to our neighbor's house. Um, I, like, put her in, like, a plastic bag on the... <laughs> <laughs> um, on Not the glass,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: on your bike handle <laughs> on the handlebar because, like, they were so close, their house was so close. As I was riding over, the leg of my doll got stuck in between the metal and the wheel of my bike, and I legit had heart palpitations but at the same time I was like oh my god does this mean I will send her to the American Girl doll hospital
0: I was gonna say the same thing
1: yeah like does this mean I she gets to come back with like a hospital gown and a balloon and a cast and stuff like I was so I was like maybe but no that's not what happened so then I put the bike down <laughs> and I just ran to the neighbor's house and I told her their mom That my, like, bike was still out there and she, like, came out with me and, like, I guess took the leg. Like, she survived. The leg did not become detached, but she did have, like, a wound, if you will. Yeah. And so I put a Band-Aid on it. I remember that.
0: that. I remember that. Also, like, (laughs) why was the American Girl Hospital, like, so enticing? It's just fun. And they have, like, um,
1: a restaurant and a salon in the store. I had a phase in 2017 where I went to the American Girl doll store, like, six times in a semester.
0: (laughs) I used to go. I went a few (laughs) times. We probably went together at some point.
1: I know we went once um, in Chicago. I remember that. Yes,
0: yes. But other than that... I just have to say that when we would get the American Girl doll catalog sent to our house, that was like on an equal level with the Pottery Barn teen catalog. Like we would never get anything from either of them, but the fantasizing was worth its weight in gold, basically. I feel like with the American Girl Doll Hospital, it was very, like, the same feeling of, like, you didn't actually want to get a cast in real life. But, like, if you did get a cast, you would get, like, the attention of everyone signing your cast.
1: It's like Madeline. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like Madeline. I mean, this movie gives off, to me, extreme Madeline Eloise. Yes. Annie energy.
0: And then I also just want to say that in addition to the dolls or whatever, American Girl did so much for our specific pocket of culture, like the body book, who here had the body book? We did the bedroom makeover quiz book that like gave you cool ideas for your bedroom. And then the smart girl's guide to boys. What? I need
1: to re- what I need to, like w- read that and be like, what were they saying? Because like, I
0: actually have no idea. I don't remember. I remember it pretty well and I know exactly where it is in mom and dad's house. So we should look at it. It's really earnest. It's like very, yeah. very earnest and <laughs> nice. And like the body book just has like full illustrations of boobs and like the growth of boobs and like how to put in a tampon, etc. Doing the Lord's work. There's a lot of American Girl memories. We each only had one American Girl doll, which I believe is a respectable way to live. Because we knew a lot of people who had a lot of them. So that speaks to our upbringing. I don't really remember people having a lot of them. In Silver Lake, there weren't that many people that had multiple, but in Solon... There were a lot, which I only know because of my survey from a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, I know
1: I feel like I never saw anyone's American Girl dolls.
0: Yeah, no, I have the facts and data. So we're going to take our little break, take a jaunt to New York City in 1904, and then come back and talk about what we have gleaned from Samantha and American Girl Holiday.
1: And we're back to discuss what's it called?
0: Samantha American Girl Holiday. <laughs> Samantha Colin, an American Girl Holiday. Oh right. Huge difference.
1: I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Compared to what I thought it would be. And I'm talking from like a craft perspective Mm -hmm. more so than story or like anything else. You wouldn't even necessarily guess it was made for TV based off of the quality of production
0: design. I agree with you. I really respect that this movie is just straight up a period drama for children. (laughs) Like, that's just really, it's so fun. And they really, really, really commit to historical accuracy in look, which, I mean, that's That's like the main thing with American Girl dolls. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciated that too. I mean, the story had a lot going on. As that reviewer said, perhaps let's not smush every book into one thing. But even if they were smushing it in, I didn't think it was that bad.
1: No, I think it, I mean, obviously if you read all the books, you're going to have like an awareness of everything that was cut because of that. But if you don't yeah. know what was cut, I think it it functions well. And you kind of, you know where it's going to end up. As soon as you find out that Nellie and her sisters are at the orphanage, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yes.
0: You definitely know what's going to happen. Miss Nelly though, she needed to brush up on her acting <laughs> skills. I was about to say like how long are we going to wait before we unfairly <laughs> criticize Nelly O'Malley.
1: Literally, it's the only thing I wrote in worse because I I wasn't writing a lot of notes for this one, but <laughs> I just she was really cute, but it wasn't working. Yeah.
0: She was so cute, but she felt like the slowest person on the planet like she was so cute but just like nothing nothing she said felt like she actually meant it she was just kind of reciting things
1: yeah she reminded me so much of like a kid from Annie like she just was in a
0: production of Annie that was her vibe I even double checked like the era of Annie and the era of this movie because I was like, they feel like they're part of the same universe for sure. Yeah, Annie's in 1936 and this was in 1904. So big gap. But I thought that they would be the same. Or like in the same time, but they aren't. Grand Mary is a white supremacist, straight up. And for the first like <laughs> half, you're like, oh, she's kind of the villain.
1: But then they like quickly go back on it because yeah. both the neighbor kids' mom has a villain moment. You know, I guess the person who runs the orphanage, like the 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 antagonist, kind of like switches around. Yeah, it's very episodic in that sense. Yeah. We might as well get into
0: the beef. Yeah, let's get into it.
1: Which is that, so we have this family. They don't have accents, so I can't say they're immigrants. But it almost feels like the family Mm. is like immigrant adjacent, like maybe Irish. The dad, Nellie. Mean, Nellie O'Malley. Yeah. Like the, the sisters, <laughs> yeah. but they don't have accents. But I feel like that is what they're going for is like, this is an immigrant They wouldn't family. be able to
0: pull off an accent.
1: Yeah. And so we have like this white family of servants. And then in Samantha's house, there's a black woman who is a maid. And at one point in in one of the scenes, Samantha asks her, how long have you been a maid? Mm-hmm. And then Grand Mary is like, "How dare you ask her that question, <laughs> or whatever?
0: Like, we don't yeah. talk about
1: we don't talk about personal matters." Well, she was also like.
0: Things move smoothly when people know their place. Yeah. That's what she says. And they
1: only come back to that storyline in any form by talking about labor laws, kind of. They're not, they're not addressing anything racial in this movie. They're only addressing no. and, and we're talking on the most surface level. Way, yeah. By the end of the movie, Samantha has become a woke, <laughs> like <laughs> supporter of like labor uh-huh. unions for children yeah. or something. Yeah, um, and. At the end of the movie, they're, like, putting decorations on the Christmas tree and stuff. And, like, there's a maid in the room. And she, like, goes over to the maid and is, like, are you tired? You need to sit down. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just, like, oh,
0: Samantha, you little school you're such a friend of the lower classes you're such an ally yeah i actually wrote down <laughs> she takes up too much space as an ally cuz she, she totally does. does i'm like
1: you are not uplifting the voices okay you are being the voice
0: no no she's not uplifting the voices she's Okay, I hate that I'm about to say this, but is she a white savior? (laughs) Everyone's white, so it's hard to call her a white savior, but it's the same vibe. Yeah,
1: it's the same vibe. And it almost, it kind of made me question, like, from American Girls' perspective, like the company, they can't not have a black person in this movie. I mean, they could have, I guess, but they probably were like, we mm-hmm. should have one. We're not actually going to
0: address the topic. I like did some timeline research and the slaves were freed in 1863. And then, then it took like a long ass time for like everything to kick in. And then this was 1904. So like, If she wasn't born into slavery, because she seemed kind of young for that, her parents definitely would have been. So I was just like, uh, I guess we're not going to talk about it. I mean, I guess they're also in, like, the North, so... maybe i think people like were less comfortable talking about it in the north
1: just like as a side note we've seen how that kind of like perpetuation of the of the that idea that the north is somehow less affiliated with this past or is somehow less racist than the south i actually think that now it hurts us more than it helps us because people yeah. in the south are used to having They're used to being confronted with these sorts of conversations, even if Uh they're accused of being racist or whatever. But in the North, they're like, it's like a a curse word. Like, we do not talk, like, we don't talk about it. There's like so many extra levels
0: of like wearing rubber gloves to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, this movie does feel like that. It kind of feels like the corporate version of that.
0: White people are just awkward about race. Yep, And that's the way it is. I feel so historical with my timelines. Ever since Snow White, I've been on my research, research shit.
1: Oh, did you notice executive producer Julia Roberts? No. It literally said that in the credits. Unless it's a different
0: Julia Roberts. (laughs) It's probably the Julia Roberts. Because I was
1: like, I was like, that's amazing.
0: (laughs) I would totally buy that personally.
1: Did this get, didn't this also give you Little Women vibes?
0: I have not been as exposed to little women as others in my demographic have been. I think I've seen it once.
1: Wait, which one? The 2019 one? Yeah. I'm kind of an expert now. I've seen every version and I read the book.
0: (laughs) That is cool. I should probably read the book.
1: It's a good book. I actually really, I enjoyed it. You know, there are some parts that are a little slow because she gets really into like describing
0: churning butter or some shit but other than yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good <laughs> one thing that i just want to talk about is so like before samantha gets sent to go to new york city with her aunt and uncle she like actively hears her uncle and her grandma refer to her as like a <laughs> burden I know. And then she's like, she's like, fuck my life. And then everyone just pretends like they never said that. Like, why would you ever say that about a person? Honestly,
1: when I overheard that, when I, I, what the hell? (laughs) she overheard the conversation, I was like... I would almost think she would be excited. Obviously, she's not happy that she was called a nuisance or whatever. But she is, in part, getting what she wants. And she gets to go to New York City. Yeah. And she just seems like the type of kid who would want to explore. And Grand Mary I sucks. think it's less... <laughs> Grand Mary is a racist yeah. and makes shit She's just boring. Real buttoned up for no reason. Yeah, so I'm like, She's I feel boring. like she'd be lit. Even if she doesn't well, like the fiancé, it's fine. You can
0: still go enjoy yeah. your time. Well, it is that, like, Grand Mary's house has all of, like, the boat and, like, the boathouse and all of, like, the memories of her parents. So that might yeah. be part of it, and, too. And Nellie. I think, yes. <laughs> I think the, um... The orphan being adopted by a pleasant older man (laughs) trope is partially what ties this and Annie together along with the time period. But here's potentially a hot take. And please poke holes in it if there are holes to be poked. Why is it like such a trope that there are like all these movies for kids that are like – about little girls being mad that their, like, dad is getting remarried or, like, their father figure is getting remarried. And then it's always, like, I don't, okay, this is, like, truly where it like gets shit Like, parent trap, but also, like, I guess it's just, like, the antagonizing of, like, the new woman or, like, the new wife. Yeah. Just, like, why? And it's even true all the way back to fairy tales. There's totally truth
1: in that. I mean, it's not like that's not something that happens, like, all the time in terms of, like, yeah. step-mom, step-parents, they have to, like,
0: fight to be like. I just, yeah, I just feel like the girls being jealous that their dads are getting remarried is, like, overrepresented versus, like, sons being mad their mom is getting Oh, remarried.
1: there's literally none of that. I literally can't think of, like, any examples of that.
0: There's examples where they can be, like... I don't, like, the guy is a douche. It's yeah. less about the relationship between the son and the mother and more about, like, the men being rivals. Yeah. And I just find that to be really, like, paternalistic, but that makes sense.
1: hmm Yeah, like, the patriarchy doesn't want them to care about that. Like, doesn't want them to be sensitive
0: yeah. about that. We've brought up the patriarchy, people. <laughs> we haven't used that word in a long time. <laughs> When, okay, a moment that really got me, though, referring to the burden part, when Samantha, like, drags Nellie out of her house in the middle of the night and she's crying about being called a burden, Anna Sophia brought it.
1: Yeah, no, like, an amazing actress.
0: (laughs) She really is. She is is really, really good. She's
1: so good in everything. And she just brings it back to reality. She really does. Yeah,
0: I don't understand how actors do what they do. I'm so impressed by actors. Like, I don't get mm-hmm. it. I could never. Me too. Okay. And I, I keep bringing up this part, but how did you, how did the moment where Uncle Guard was like, letting Cornelia use your mother's veil <laughs> was very generous. And then she was like, I, I did, did it, it for you. you. I was like, bitch, I thought you learned your lesson. Guess not. Okay. I know. I was like, Cornelia's you know done what? absolutely nothing but fight for your rights before you, you know can what? even be grateful for them.
1: She's petty though, and I like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's
1: gonna she take a lot for Cornelia to prove herself, even if she gets her her right to vote. That's not enough. You gotta, she's gotta go above <laughs> and beyond. That, that little bit where, um who is it, like Mrs. Vanderbilt or something asks, like one of the suffrage ladies, when she was asked, like, are you going to vote? And then she was like, I don't know. And then Cornelia was like, well, we're not fighting for the requirement to vote. We're
0: fighting for the right to vote. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> I know. That was a weird moment, too. I was like, I thought I missed something. I mean, it was kind of
1: interesting. I kind of, I, th- yeah. I thought it was kind of weirdly nuanced for the movie because yeah. it showed like there are equivalents to that sort of mindset today for different political issues. But like back then it, there would be women of like Grand Mary, for example, who's like, well, we've, women have found all of these various ways to make a difference and influence without having the right to vote. And so she's like, she wants to feel like she's been valid throughout her life, like she has made a difference in Mm -hmm. some way. And then Cornelia is like, okay, yes, but if we have to follow the laws, then we should have a say in who creates them. And it's like, yeah, nice. It's like,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's interesting to hear like what arguments could have happened back in the day about that.
1: Because you wonder, like when we were growing up, it'd be like, now what, like who in the past would be like women shouldn't vote who is a woman? And I think things like that all the time now about Mm -hmm. um, pro-choice and pro-life. It's like, there are tons and tons of women who are pro-life. And so like you looking back on it, you're like, how could that be? But then when you get older, you start to understand how especially white women, can be their own worst enemy and hurt a lot of people because they can't get over themselves, basically.
0: They can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, now that we're talking about, like, white women shit again, like, the whole thing with Samantha, like, taking up too much space as an ally, (laughs) I think that that's true in, like, the IRL world, but I think think there's actually a really clear reason why they do that, which is that, like, little girls project themselves onto Samantha. So Samantha taking action and helping yeah. people is like. It's like the goal. Inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this is just an aside and like we don't have to go back and fix it. The terminology should be anti-choice instead of pro-life.
1: I've never heard that. Just like
0: pro life. Yeah. yeah. Now you know.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I always thought that the term pro-life was confusing because it sounds
0: positive. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes it sound like okay, so we're anti-life on the other side. Yeah, it makes yeah. it sound like the right yeah. thing, right? Which is why, like, new language has been introduced that's like a little bit more accurate because pro-life, but until when? Yeah, it's like pro. You know, pro-life
1: could pro-life could describe both sides depending on your stance on what life is important and when life is important. But it's like that. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I agree. That doesn't work. I never really thought about it, though. Maybe we should leave that in so people know. Yeah. And I learned that through like volunteering with like repro stuff in Ohio. Like I learned that from someone who's job it is to teach that first of all i loved the um the offering plate gag where they I like dump too. all of his coins into the thing i thought that was charming i liked that
1: yeah i liked that too i was like wait that's actually really clever and also because it's like you're helping <laughs> yeah. something and hurting the <laughs> boy you hate at the same time like that's actually
0: <laughs> clever you're like i could get behind that one <laughs> <laughs> Also, we can't talk about this movie without mentioning the girl who's like, my daddy owns a factory. Can yeah. I write about that? Like, I loved how bad and how over the top she was.
1: All the the factory scene. We got to talk about the factory that, scene. That had me
0: very disturbed.
1: Yeah, it was disturbing. But I'm glad they went there. I'm glad they went there. I mean, I remember, like, learning about child labor and just being, like, it being kind of incomprehensible. So the fact that, like, they actually made the scene (laughs) in this children's movie, that there is, like, I have respect for that, even though it's, like, the most sanitized version. But even then, like,
0: he screamed and it wasn't, and they, like, showed his finger getting stuck in the thing. Like, it wasn't like they were, like, oh, yeah, we need a replacement. Someone got their finger stuck. They, like, showed the kid getting his finger stuck, which I thought was... It's like when we watch kids' movies and they're like, this movie doesn't talk down to kids. I thought that was a good moment of not, like, talking down to Mm -hmm. kids. I also have to mention my favorite line of the movie, which is, I like your pilgrims.
1: Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, what does that mean again?
0: (laughs) Well, Shoes? it's because there were actual paper pilgrims stapled to the bulletin board right in front of them. Oh, yeah. And the girl had put up the pilgrims there. I just thought that was funny. Uh-huh. If Nellie's bad at acting, her sisters yeah. are actively <laughs> desecrating the theater and film. I know. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, child ensemble in the local production of Music Man level bad.
1: Yeah. I thought the the best part of the littlest sister's portrayal was <laughs> at the very end, she's in the background eating a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, she's really enjoying that cookie,
0: like IRL. <laughs> she was really cute. She went like, at least there was that. <laughs> Yeah, she went full method on that cookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, and then of course I have to say, of course the one fat lady in the whole thing is a corrupt orphanage matron.
1: Yeah, it's a Hannigan thing. I feel like it's such a Hannigan thing. It's a it's like a typecast I want- for sure. <sighs> you know who else reminds me of that? The animated dressmaker in Princess and the Pauper. <laughs> Madam Carp, Madam Carp.
0: Wow. <laughs> Look at that memory. With her like giant hat. She goes, yeah, oh, there'll be trouble. <laughs> I'm very impressed by the fact that Samantha snuck three children out of the orphanage, but even more impressed by the fact that they lived in her attic for like months. I know. And then she she was like, yeah, this girl's dying in our attic, so. (laughs) And they were like, damn, well. (laughs) She basically did have to be like, this girl's dying in our attic. You're totally right. They did the right thing, though. Because Anna Sophia
1: Robb is such a good actor, I was like, no, I buy into this. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll get into that. You were willing to take it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that if I... And you had seen this as actual children. I think especially you would have been really into it. Yeah, probably. Because you loved an old-timey thing, mm-hmm. as we have discussed. I think it's pretty mentally enriching, especially for a kid. Yeah, I think it was really true to the, like, ethos of the brand, which is cool because their ethos is positive, not just purely making money, even though obviously making money is part of it. Also, Mm -hmm. it's sort of interesting, like, what does it say when dolls that are, like, based in history, like – are also so expensive. Like it feels like there's this weird like high bar for entry to like education. Yeah. You know?
1: Versus like, I mean, Barbies were considered expensive too. For some people, like even Barbie was like yeah. too much. But Barbie is yeah. more accessible than American Girl
0: dolls. And it feels like it should be the opposite almost. Yeah. Like were the dolls that expensive to produce? I really doubt it. But that was like, a, and it still is, but especially when we were kids, it was like a very untarnished like luxury brand
1: yeah and it's like it's because it has this connection to collector's items totally and less just like this is a toy it's more it's more on the side of collector's item than it is to toy yeah
0: definitely agreed like why else are you gonna have like a $200 hand carved bed frame for your doll like it doesn't fully click
1: so was the movie good? I mean, if you're looking for holiday vibes and or Christmas cheer, it mm. definitely gives it to
0: you by the end. Also, though, this movie's really bold to call itself an American Girl holiday because there's only like three minutes of the movie <laughs> at Christmas. It's really yeah. not about that. It's a Christmas movie in the same way that Harry Potter is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Basically. They should have called
1: it Samantha. Woke lady. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Samantha, the uprising. Samantha, labor unions. (laughs) Samantha unionizes. Yeah. Do you think it was worth watching? Yes, I do. I actually do agree. I feel like it made me curious about some history. It was entertaining. There were lots of good things, lots of entertaining bad things. That's kind of an ideal situation for a sleepover cinema movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And usually I feel like all the ones that we haven't seen, we usually say, no, it's not worth watching. Like pretty much all of them. But not this one.
0: Yeah. No, this one was very good. Maybe someday in the future we'll do more American Girl movies. This one was the first and it was great. You've got to keep your mind wide open. (laughs) Don't forget to let us know what American Girl doll you had. I'm really, really curious. It's very interesting to see. We have some other information to share with you as well.
1: As always, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at pinkproductions.com. We're on Instagram. Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. Please subscribe to our channel. (laughs) We are like 90 subscribers away from us. a thousand. Yes. Thank you. You can <laughs> follow me,
0: Audrey, at Audrey Anna Leach on everything, and you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram and at Lana Trap on Twitter. And as always, you can join our Discord whenever you'd like. The link is in the episode description, and it's also on EvergreenPodcasts.com/sleepover-cinema.
1: You can check out our merch at TwoPinkProductions.com/shop, and you can also get a Casetify object <laughs> um, with code 15Sleepover and the link to that is in our bio yes
0: and if you like the show give us a review send an episode to a friend if you and your bestie were both Samantha girls back in the day it seems like a good opportunity to share the episode with her sleepover cinema is a production of evergreen
1: podcasts produced edited and engineered by us hannah and audrey leach sleepover cinema is mixed by sean rule hoffman with theme music by josh perlman hall executive producer is michael DeAloya.
0: ho 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 baby see you later mm, happy holidays <laughs> And Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.